Um, how many of you have eat foods that you eat as an adult that you never ate as a child? Raise your hand. We have these things called what? Taste buds. Now, now let me give you a, a, an interesting thought about uh, some, some information about taste buds. An, an average person has about 10,000 taste buds. 10,000. And, and when you're growing up, those, those taste buds are replaced every two weeks. Every two weeks, you get a new 10,000 on your tongue until about the age of 22. And then about the age of 22, you stop reproducing taste buds and you an acquire taste for things, which means that your tongue and your taste buds can handle spicier things. Hence why this, this is an interesting thought, hence why as a kid, you might not have liked asparagus. Now some kids like asparagus. How many in here like asparagus? Do I have any asparagus haters? <laughs> oh, Pastor Stephen hates asparagus. I love me some asparagus. How many of you, now be honest, how many of you liked asparagus as a three-year-old? Only like one person. Okay, my friend Lisa back there. How many of you, how many of you in this room like mushrooms? How, how many mushroom haters? hate mushrooms. They, they do something wiggle in your mouth. It's weird. I do not like that feeling. How many of you, how many of you liked mushrooms as a child? Okay. Which is very, so, so here's the thing that tells, if, if we liked broccoli and or if we like cauliflower or asparagus and mushrooms and we didn't like them as a child, but we like them now, our taste buds, what? Change. Oh, hold on. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> I feel like if I could barely tolerate this, maybe with like a pound of cheese whiz or something. So how, how many people in this room like broccoli? How many people liked it as a child? How many people hate broccoli? Please, some fellow friends, hallelujah. Broccoli haters in the house, broccoli. Okay, how about this? How about this? Olives. Who likes olives? Oh, who hates olives? Yes! Christy, me and you are tying, baby girl. I hate, I hate, and I feel like beets are in the same category. I don't have any beets up here, but God, beets are so gross. I hate when they put them on your salad. Gross. Beets taste like dirt. Thank you. And olives are weird. They're just weird. What are they anyway? They're strange. How about this? How about brie? Who likes brie in this room? Brie cheese. Who hates brie? God, this smells like something that should not be talked about. It is gross. And it tastes gross. You can have it afterwards. Disgusting. How many of you liked brie as a child? How many have a four or five year old and they say, hey mom, buy some brie? Ain't nobody's, whatever. No. Now, here, here's an interesting thing. Here's an interesting thing. How, how many of you, like, how many of you in here drink black coffee? Straight black coffee. How many of you liked black coffee as a child? Now, children like to drink coffee. Caleb will say, Foxy, make me coffee. But he means, really, he wants me to put a splash of coffee with tons of French vanilla creamer. So that's not really coffee. How, how, how many of you in here, you like dark chocolate? 
love dark chocolate. How many of you in here are not dark chocolate people? Pop, Stephen hates dark chocolate. But if you gave a three-year-old a piece of dark chocolate, they would think it was disgusting. They're looking for like a Hershey kiss or something. <laughs> so, so with that, with that, I, I kind of want to talk about something that's been on my heart a little bit. It's been on my heart. If we can have acquired taste buds, if we can, if we can grow in our taste buds and they can mature, I, I was, we were on the porch talking last night and I told Pastor Stephen, um, I, I hated salads growing up. I did not like salads at all. And when I met Pastor Stephen, he was a fairly healthy eater. I, on the other hand, was not a healthy eater, but he was a very healthy eater. And so he taught me how to like salads. Or I, but now, how many of you go to, how many of you crave salads? I love a good salad, but I don't really know too many four and five-year-olds that say, ooh, can I have a salad today? Because your taste buds change and they grow and they acquire things that are better for yourself. And you know, it's funny, I've been thinking about this just for the, honestly, for like the past two weeks. I've been thinking about how there's areas in our life that are a natural growth progression. For instance, when school starts in August, if some kid walks into kindergarten and they have a pacifier in their mouth, we're going to think there's what? Issues. We're, we're going to think there's problems. And the funny thing is, is we're going to not only think that there's a problem with the kid, we're going to think there's a problem with the, the parent. Because the natural life progression would mean that you wouldn't have a pacifier typically past the age of like four, three or four. Like four is pushing it. <laughs> Sorry. All right, five. <laughs> oh, oh, again, again, some of that's based on maturity. It's based, it, it, how, many of you, how many of you had a room or a hallway or a door in your house where you measured your kids and you, and you put the line on there? Anybody? Any, you, put, you, measured, you put the line on there. Because you were measuring their what? We, when we have kids. Uh, are Bailey and Elizabeth in here? I thought I saw them now. I mean, if you have a newborn... If you have little kids, you take them to the doctor at the very beginning quite often and you measure their what? Your growth. You say, oh, Johnny gained three pounds and he's growing. This is a natural progression. And we cheer on natural progression. And if natural progression doesn't happen, we get concerned. But there's one area that I'm concerned that we should all be concerned that natural progression isn't taking place. And that's our spiritual walk. I'm wondering, I'm wondering why we seem so comfortable with spiritual immaturity. It seems to me, now, now here's the thing, this is not judgmental, this is not, this is not meant to be harsh, this is meant to do a checkup. Because it's important, just like we would take our own children just like we even take our own selves sometimes to the doctor to get ourselves a checkup to make sure that everything's functioning in our life, spiritual things seem to be the one thing that we don't ever do a checkup on. It, it seems to me, no, 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 I want to say this real quick. Can you put up Luke chapter 252? Luke chapter 52. Now, everything that we believe, one of our core cultures here at Coast Family Church is Jesus is our message. 
So our whole idea in life is to have our behavior patterns match those behavior patterns of Jesus, right? Because we're on this earth and we want to mimic the things of Jesus. But in this verse, it says, Jesus what? He grew. Now here's what He grew in what? And in what? So here's the funny thing. It didn't just say Jesus grew and was just so spiritual, spiritual. Hallelujah. Shana It doesn't say that. It says Jesus grew in what? And then in what? Which means that he grew physically too. Stature is your physical body. And then it says, and he grew in what? With who? And with huh? With, with all people. So if Jesus did the growing process in the natural and in the spiritual, wouldn't it behoove us to look at how that natural spiritual progression happens? Now, in pondering this thought, this is the one thought that's been coming up to me and coming up to me and coming up to me is that we're fascinated with the idea of the birth of Jesus. How many of you love Christmas? We love, and we love the baby and the manger and the shepherds and the wise men, and we love all of that. And that is, in a very, that, that is an important part of our relation, of our, that is an important part of our theology and our walk with Christian, with our, with, with our Christian faith. I'm trying to, Figure out how to say that. But would we be who we are if Jesus Christ had just been born? Would you be saved if Jesus Christ had just been born? Some of you are like, I don't know what I... <laughs> this is not a trick question. No, you wouldn't. If Jesus Christ had just been born of a Virgin Mary and he had lived on this earth, we would, not have, we would not be Christians like we are today. It's only the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that fulfilled the purpose of God on his life. I'm wanting for us to ask our own selves, have we stopped at the birth of our Christianity? Have we settled into where we've just received Jesus Christ. And, and, and honestly, the hard part is, is we, we go back and forth because our whole mission here at Coastal Family Church is to bring people that are far from God to God, right? Our whole goal is, is we want people to know God. And we, we absolutely want people to know God. But my concern is, is that our entryway stays our journey. I'm so sorry if that's my phone. It might need turned off. Uh-huh. I, so I want us to ask ourselves a couple questions this morning. This is, not, this is not for you to evaluate anybody else's spiritual walk. This is for you to look at your own self and for you to ask yourself a couple questions. Because, because this is the thought that came to me. The thought that came to me is, I don't want to not fulfill my purpose on this earth. And I personally don't think I'm going to fulfill my purpose just through my salvation. I think I'm going to fulfill my purpose by walking out the plan and the call of God on my life. Which would mean that there would be, check this out, it would mean that there would have to be a death of me too. Not, hold on, not just a death of my old sinful nature, but a death of my will 
and my desires and the things that I want to do. Because how many of you remember the scripture when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he said, if this cup can what? Pa pass me, please let it pass. But then he followed up with, but he said, but not my will, but what? Yours be done. Was he always the son of God? He was, listen to me, Jesus' Jesus's relationship was secure. His relationship was, he, listen, he was going to heaven with or without us. He came from there and he was going back there with or without us. But it became more than just about him. It became about us. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm asking my own self this question. Ask yourself this question too. I'm wondering if just your entranceway has been about you, but your progression is about other people. And we're not willing to die. Remember, not our, we're not, I'm not talking about your, your spiritual death. I'm, not, I'm talking about dying to your, to your will, to your emotions, to your ways, to your selfishness. If we're not willing to die so that we might fulfill the purpose of God on our life. So I'm going to ask us three questions. Number one, do I desire to grow spiritually? If so, why or why not? If you're taking notes, you can write it down, jot it down on your phone. It'd be good. You might want to remember, get balanced this week. Remember that? That's how you get it. You get it in God's word. So if you're getting some balance this week, you might want to write this question down. Do I desire to grow spiritually? Why or why not? It might be a great opportunity for you to just ponder some thoughts this week and ask yourself this question. Now let me give you a verse. 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. We good? Amen. In the New Living Version, it says this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 in the New Living. This is the question we're asking ourselves. Do I desire to grow spiritually? Here we go. Like newborn what? You must what? Huh. You must crave, oh, I lost my place. You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will what? Woo! So that you will grow into a full what? Of what? You must crave something, which tells me it didn't say Jesus will make the craving. It, it didn't say that. It says, you, th those are pretty strong words, you and must. So you must what? So that your salvation can have its full experience. Uh, is there any other part of that? It says, then it says, cry out for this what? Cry out for the, Father God, I desire you. I'm going to show you. Because some people, they, I, I, I talk to a lot of people that say, I want to grow spiritually. Hashemi, I don't know how or what that looks like. I'm going to show you. you. You find yourself a little spot, like a chair, the back porch, your front stoop, your car. I don't care. The beach, a park, the toilet. If that's all you got, that's what you got. If you have kids of littles and you're thinking, I'm just going to poop, just leave me alone. <laughs> so here's the thing. We can grab our phones and flip through Instagram or we can crave. 
And it would look like this, Father God, oh my God, it's seven o'clock and they are already on my nerves. My husband's called me twice, he forgot his lunch. My kids wanna know if we're going to the beach. My house is disgusting, I have 50,000 loads of laundry. And all my friends hate me on Facebook. Because that's how you should talk to him. And you should say, Father God, all of that's going on, but I, cr I crave you. I need to know you. I need to know your purpose and your plan, not for 10 years from now, just for today. Father God, who, who today? I thank you for strength for today, for nourishment for today. Father God, you are my supply, you are enough. Thank you, Father God, for being enough for me. Thank you that this world is not too crazy for me, that there's not, there's not too much pressure at the office for me, that, Father God, you've got me, that just like Jesus, that I have favor with God and with man. Thank you, Father God. Amen. Hold on, be right there. That's how it works. Crave. You have to crave it. And you have to ask yourself if you're going to grow spiritually or not. I can't determine that for you. If I could, I would stand on my head. Any, any acrobatics that you ask me to do for you to help you grow spiritually, I would do if it made a difference. But my spirituality can't grow your spirituality. I can lead you, which we'll get to in just a moment. Number two, what are the signs of spiritual growth? So this is your checkup. Nobody's looking at you. You just look at yourself. What are my signs for spiritual growth? Because how many of you have ever been to a place that says, I want to know how? We give EOGs. We, give we actually measure our growth in every area of our life, except for spiritually. So here's the signs. I'm going to go back to the very first verse that I read to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Put that back up for me, friend. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When I was a child, I what? Spoke. And I what? And I what? So there's three areas. So what Paul is saying to you is, is when I was a child, I spoke this a certain way, I thought a certain way, and I reasoned a certain way. But when I grew up, I put away what? Which means to tell me that Paul didn't stop speaking or stop thinking or stop reasoning. He just did them a different way. Right? So as believers, as mature believers, as we grow in God and as we first get saved, guess what? There are a lot of times that you have an excuse because you're a baby. What I tolerate from Caleb is not anything than what I would tolerate from Mackenzie. It, that would be stupid. Because he's six and she's 22. So the behavior modification should grow. And yet, we, yet, how many of you have said to your kids, stop acting like that, you're acting like a baby? And yet we don't ever say to a Christian, stop acting like that, you're acting like a baby. Well, that's offensive. Well, you're acting offensive. Because you're staying immature for way too long. And we ran out of pacifiers here at Coastal Family Church. Because <laughs> I need people who are far from God that need passies. And they need coddling and they need loving. But when we're 10 and 15 years in the kingdom of God and we're still needing the same treatment, ooh, gross. It's yuck. And everyone around you goes, yuck. 
Okay. Hannah said this to me. She said, a lot of times we base our spiritual growth, we base spiritual growth on what we think are the gifts and the offices that people stand in. For instance, if someone preaches real good, you might say, ooh, they're spiritual, right? Or we look at people that, um, sometimes we look at people that maybe pray in tongues or prophesy or do the spiritual things that we think, it's funny, we call them spiritual. So we look at other people that maybe hold an office or have a mic or sing or play an instrument and we automatically qualify them as being the spiritual ones and because we don't function in those offices, we immediately think, well, I don't have to be spiritual because I don't do those offices. Am I right? In studying the word of God, your office has nothing to do with your spirituality. I have seen a ton of carnal preachers. And you know what carnal means? Yucky acting. I've seen some really, really good preachers get off the stage and act like a real jerk. And you know what? I do not care two hoots what they say ever again in my life. Because if you can't be nice, I ain't playing in your background. And I ain't listening to your podcast either. Because nice is more important than your preaching. So just because you got a gift doesn't make you good. It just makes you with a gift. And the gifts are given out to the body. So you have a gift that was given to you at birth. But how you develop the gift, which is why we tell our kids, we pray for them all the time. We always pray that your gifting never takes you farther than your character can keep you. We always, we always tell our children, which our son Rashid had a wonderful experience this morning, did he not? He had a wonderful experience this morning. He wore a hat to church. Can I share that? Where are you? He must not be in here. Now he's going to get in trouble. No, I'm just, he's an apex. He's an apex. He had a hat on, a baseball hat, when he came to church. Now, you keep your coastal hat on. I like it. But Rashid was singing on stage. And when he came in the office, he has a, and it actually has something about Jesus on it or whatever. It's awesome. And it looked good. He's cute. So he was in the office, and Pop said to him, he said, son, um, I'm not sure about the hat on stage. How, how'd you say that? That was great. Go, Mr. Frank. Which was funny because you know what? Our kids respect and honor the office that he holds in our, in our life and in our church. They respect him and they honor the authority that he has in our life. And so, you know what? Rashid didn't go, Dad, that's ridiculous. Oh my God. He did. He said, okay, Pop. So he was out there for a while. He comes back in. And he said, Mr. Frank said. <laughs> and then he proceeded to tell us what he said. And so Hannah chimed in and she said, you know what, baby? She said, sometimes people don't receive from the gift because they're distracted by the hat. And he said, she said, and so we said to them, it was an awesome opportunity. We said, I said to him, baby, and actually I was pro the hat. I was like, leave the hat on, you look cute. But I was in the wrong, because the reality of it is, is his gift, his call, hmm, I said this to him in the office, your call is more important than your gift, and your call is to be able to minister life to people, and love to people, and Jesus to people, and if, you're, and if, and if the hat inhibits the gift, then the call doesn't even matter. 
Amen? Too many of you are just worried about your gift, and you don't care how you act, and so you never arrive to your call. Thanks, Pop. <laughs> I got a few minutes. Here we go. Ephesians. Check this out. How I talk, to, um, um, Actually, I'm going to go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says this. Live wisely among those who are what? Not what? And make the most of every opportunity. Next verse. This is what I'm going to get to. Let your what? Let your conversation be what? And how? So that you will have the right response for everyone. So Paul says this. He says, it's my talk. There's another one. There's another. Ephesians 4.29. Ephesians 4.29. If you're taking notes, just write them down. Ephesians 4.29. Don't use what? Does anybody need to know what foul means? To my daddy, who just went back to Ohio, he thinks the word freak, like when you say, I'm freaking, he's like, you might as well go ahead and say the other one, because that's what you mean. But I use it anyway. But it's probably foul. I don't know what foul is for everyone. I cannot determine it. But the Bible just says, don't use foul. So I guess whatever's foul for you, don't use it. I'm not going to be the foul police. But you should let the word of God dictate how you talk. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let, what? Stop it. Everything you say be what? Helpful. Golly gee, Barbara. Feels like leave it to Cleaver. Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> or Cleaver. Was there a Cleaver? Cleaver was the husband. Was, the, was there a Cleaver? Oh. It's been a while. <sighs> Words be help, good and helpful so that your what? Will be a what? Hallelujah to those who hear them. Good stuff. Thoughts and reasoning. Paul says this. Paul says, I put away my talk and my thoughts and reasoning and exchange them for something else. I'm going to do one verse for thoughts and reasoning because thoughts, I looked up the word reasoning. It has a ton to do with attitudes or how you process something. It has a lot to do with when you come against a hard time, your, your attitude or your reasoning skills in the hard time, which would create an attitude. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 through 24. Ephesians chapter 4 through 24. But that isn't what you... Now, Paul's talking to, to the church at Ephesus, and he's reminding them that they got saved and that this isn't, this isn't what they got saved for. But that isn't what you've learned about Christ. Go to the next verse, friend. Thank you. Since you have heard about who? And have what? The truth that comes from him. Okay? Because most of us in here. Throw off your what? Sin for what? Now, remember, this is a believers. This is Christians. He's telling them, throw off this old sinful nature and your what? Former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Next verse. What's the first word? Instead. Say instead. instead. Look at your neighbor and say instead. instead. Instead, let the spirit renew your what? And attitudes. Hallelujah. Go to the next verse. Put on your what? 
created to be like who? God. Righteous, yep, truly righteous and holy. Now, third question, and I'm going to be done. We ask this question. Do Do I desire to grow spiritually? Then we ask the question, what are the signs of my spiritual growth? So if my talk is not okay, and my thoughts aren't okay, and I'm still controlled by my sinful nature, it would just be an opportunity for you to look at your spiritual growth and do a checkup and make some adjustments. You could do the very first thing. You could crave spiritual things. And then God says, if you hunger and thirst for me, he says, I will fill you. Right? Number three, what does my spiritual growth affect? This is the most important thing. Because so many of us get saved, and ultimately we get saved for ourselves, right? When I got saved, it's because I didn't want to go to hell. Right? Anybody in here get saved because you don't want to go to hell? Nobody got saved and still wants to go to hell, right? (laughs) Honestly, the majority of why we get saved is because we want to have eternal life in heaven. But it's not why we walk out our Christianity. There's another step. Because my eternal security is done. I'm going to heaven. Here's the funny thing. I'm going to heaven regardless of how I act. But I sure hope I take a few people with me. And that will be a product of how I act. And my spiritual growth and me loving God and honoring God and my talk and my walk, it's important. You know, uh, anybody remember, anybody remember the first person in your friend group that got their license? Only me? First person in your friend group that got their license. Pop was one of the oldest in his friend group. Miss Patty, was it you? I was the youngest. My friend Monica DeRuza, you know her sister. My friend Monica DeRuza, she was the first person, her birthday happened in July, before our sophomore year. And she turned 16. And she had her a white Ford Taurus. And the day she got her license, I was so happy to be one of her best friends. Because we were going someplace. And I'm curious if your passageway and your freedom is giving other people access to the things of God. See, because when I rode with her, she took me places that I couldn't get to by myself. She took me those places. We had an, you know, we rolled down the windows and we listened to Journey and Duran Duran. And we were going places that we couldn't get to because our mamas worked. And I got to be in on her freedom because I was a passenger. And you want to know something? Monica getting her license didn't make me want to not get mine. It made me want to get mine so I could let people in my car too. 
I'm wondering if we're not concerned about our spiritual growth because there's no one on the journey with us. I'm going to read you one last scripture that Pop read last week to you. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. You know, this week, you can just leave it up there. I'm going to read it in a second. This week is serve week. And if you're involved in a small group in any way, um, hopefully your small group leader has been in contact with you. But we're going to bless this community in every way we can. We're doing everything from international meals to lifeguard meals to working in about four different people's yards. We're helping with the food pantry. We're taking some meals um, to the firefighters and police. We're doing a whole bunch of different things. Because this freedom is not just for me. I'm in. And I'd say 90% of you in this room, you're in too. But there's a ton of people on the outside looking in. And they want to see it in your car. And most of the time, they won't come into your, their, your car unless they're invited in. For you have been called to live in what? My brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom huh, to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to what? One another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your as yourself. I'm not going to go there in scripture form, but if you want to, just for yourself. In 1 Corinthians 13, in that verse that I just read you, that we started off with today. If you look at the very first five words of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. First five words. Right before it begins to talk about all of our spiritual gifts, right before it begins to list the gifts in the body, it says this, let love be your highest goal. And then it goes into the spiritual gifts, but not before your love walk. So I just want to encourage you can stand up with us this morning.